0: Hi, I've got a prescription for diabetes test strips. How much is the copay? That could take me a while to calculate. In the meantime, you should think about over-the-counter Contour Next test strips. You get thirty-five for nineteen ninety-nine, and they're highly accurate. For full details, visit contournext.com/radio.
1: Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer. Please visit librivox dot org Treasure Island by Robert Louis Stevenson, read by Adrian Pretzelis. chapter twenty nine The Black Spot again. The Council of the Buccaneers had lasted some time when one of them re-entered the house and, with a repetition of the same salute which had in my eyes an ironical air, begged for a moment's loan of the torch. Silver briefly agreed, and this emissary retired again, leaving us together in the dark. "'There is a breeze coming, Jim,' said Silver, who had by this time adopted quite a friendly and familiar tone. I turned to the loophole nearest me, and looked out. The embers of the great fire had so far burned themselves out, and now glowed so low and duskily that I understood why these conspirators desired a torch.' About halfway down the slope to the stockade they were collected in a group. One held the light, another was on his knees in their midst, and I saw the blade of an open knife shine in his hand with varying colours in the moon and torchlight. The rest were all somewhat stooping, as though watching the manoeuvres of this last. I could just make out that he had a book as well as a knife in his hand, and was still wondering how anything so incongruous had come in their possession, when the kneeling figure rose once more to his feet, and the whole party began to move together toward the house. "'Here they come,' said I, and returned to my former position, for it seemed beneath my dignity that they should find me watching them. "Well, let em come, lad, let em come,' said Silver cheerily. "'I've still a shot in my locker.' The door opened, and the five men, standing huddled together just inside, pushed one of their number forward. In any other circumstances it would have been comical to see his slow advance, hesitating as he set down each foot, but holding his closed right hand in front of him. "'Step up, lad,' cried Silver. "'I won't eat you.' "'Hand it over, lubber, I know the rules, too. I won't hurt a deputation.' Thus encouraged, the buccaneer stepped forth more briskly, and, having passed something to silver from hand to hand, slipped yet more smartly back again to his companions. The sea-cook looked at what had been given him. "'The black spot, I thought so,' he observed. "'Where might you have got the paper?' why hello look here now ain't this lucky you've gone and cut this out of a bible what a fools cut a bible "'Ah, oh, there said morgan there what did i say no good'll come of that i said well you've about fixed it now among you continued silver you'll all swing now i reckon what soft-headed lubber had a bible it was dick said one dick was it then dick can get to prayers said silver he's seen his slice of look as dick and you may lay to that but here the long man with the yellow eyes struck in belay that talk john silver he said this crew has tipped you the black spot in full council as duty bound just you turn it over as in duty bound and see what's wrote there, then you can talk. Thank ye, George, replied the sea cook. You always was brisk for business, and as the rules by heart, George, as I'm pleased to see. Well, what is it, anyway? Ah, deposed. That's it, is it? Wa very pretty wrote, to be sure. Like print, I swear. Your hand a right, George? "'Why, you was getting quite the leading man in this ere crew. You'll be captain next, "'I shouldn't wonder. Just oblige me with that torch again, will you? This pipe don't draw.' "'Come now,' said George. "'You don't fool this crew no more. "'You're a funny man by your account, but you're over now, "'and you'll maybe step down off that barrel and help vote.' "'I thought you said you knowed the rules,' returned Silver contemptuously. "'Leastwise, if you don't, I do. "'And I wait here, and I'm still your cut, mind, "'till you outs with your grievances, and I reply.' In the meantime, your black spot ain't worth a biscuit. After that we'll see." "'Oh!' replied George. "'You don't be under no kind of apprehension. We're all square, we are. First, you've made a hash of this cruise—you'll be a bold man to say no to that. Second, you let the enemy out of this here trap for nothing. Why did they want out?' "'I don't know, but it's pretty plain they wanted it. Third, you wouldn't let us go at them upon the march. Ah, we see through you, John Silver. You want to play booty. That's what's wrong with you. And then, fourth, there's this here boy.' "'Is that all?' asked Silver quietly. "'Enough too, retorted George. We'll all swing and sun-dry for your bungling.' "'Well, now, look here, I'll answer these four points. One after another I'll answer them.' "'I made a hash of this cruise, did I?' "'Well, now, you all know what I wanted. And you all know, if it had been done, that we'd a been a bar the Spaniel this night as ever was, every man of us alive and fit. "'and full of good plum duff, "'and the treasure in the hold of her by thunder. "'Well, who crossed me, who fast my hand, "'as was the lawful cap'n? "'Who tipped me the black spot the day we landed "'and began this dance? Ah, it's a fine dance. "'I'm with you there, and it looks mighty like a hornpipe "'in a rope's end execution dock. "'By London town it does. "'But who done it?' "'Why, it was Anderson and Hans and you, George, Merry, "'and you're the last above board of that same meddling crew, "'and you have the Davy Jones insolence to up and stand for cap'n over me, "'you that sunk the lot of us by the powers. "'But this top's the stiffest yarn to nothing.' Silver paused, and I could see by the faces of George and his late comrades that these words had not been said in vain. "'That's for number one,' cried the accused, wiping the sweat from his brow, for he had been talking with a vehemence that shook the house. "'Why, I give you my word, I'm sick to speak to you. You've neither sense nor memory, and I leave it to fancy where your mother's was that let you come to see. See?' "'Gentlemen of Fortune, I reckon tailors is your trade. "'Go on, John,' said Morgan. "'Speak up to the others.' "'Ah, the others,' returned John. "'They're a nice lot, ain't they? "'You say this cruise is bungled. "'Ah, by gum, if you could understand how bad it's bungled, you would see. "'We're that near the gibbet that my neck's stiff with thinking on it you've seen em maybe hanged in chains birds about em seamen pointing em out as they go down with the tide who's that says one that ay that's john silver i knowed him well says another and you can hear the chains a jangle as you go about and reach for the other boy Now, that's about where we are, every mother's son of us, thanks to him and Hans and Anderson, and other ruination fools of you. And if you want to know about number four and that boy, why, shiver my timbers, isn't he a hostage? Are we going to waste a hostage? No, not us. He might be our last chance, I shouldn't wonder. Kill that boy, not me, mates. "'And number three—why, well, there's a deal to say to number three. "'Maybe you don't count it nothing to have a real college doctor come to see you every day. "'You, John, with your head broke, or you, George, Mary, "'that ad the ague shakes upon you not six hours agone, "'and adds your eyes the colour of lemon peels to this same moment on the clock.' "'and maybe, perhaps, you didn't know there was a consort coming, either. "'But there is, and not so long till then, "'and we'll see you will be glad to have hostage when it comes to that. "'And as for number two, why, well, I made a bargain. "'Well, you come crawling on your knees to me to make it. "'On your knees you came, you was that hearted, "'And you'd have starved too if I hadn't. "'But that's a trifle.' "'You look there, that's why,' and he cast down upon the floor a paper that I instantly recognized. None other than the chart on yellow paper, with the three red crosses that I had found in the oilcloth at the bottom of the captain's chest. Why the doctor had given it to him was more than I could fancy. But if it were inexplicable to me, the appearance of the chart was incredible to the surviving mutineers. They leapt upon it like cats upon a mouse. It went from hand to hand, one tearing it from another, and by the oaths and the cries and the childish laughter with which they accompanied their examination, you would have thought not only they were fingering the very gold, but were at sea with it besides in safety. "'Yes,' said one. "'That's flint for sure. J. F. and a score below, with a close hitch to it.' So we ever done. Mighty pretty, said George, but how are we to get away with it, and us no ship? Silver suddenly sprang up, and supporting himself with a hand against the wall. Now I'll give you warning, George, he cried. One more word of your sauce, and I'll call you down and fight you. How? Why, how do I know? you had ought to tell me that you and the rest that lost me my schooner with your interference burn you but not you you can't you ain't got the invention of a cockroach but civil you can speak and you shall george merry you may lay that that's fair now,' said the old man morgan fair i reckon so said the sea-cook you lost the ship i found the treasure "'Who's the better man at that? "'And now I resign by thunder-elect whom you please to be your cap'n now. "'I'm done with it.' "'Silver!' they cried. "'Barbecue for ever! Barbecue for captain!' "'So that's the tune, is it?' cried the cook. "'George, I reckon you'll have to wait another turn, friend. "'And lucky for you, as I'm not a revengeful man.' But that was never my way. And now, shipmates, this black spot—ta'n't much good now, is it? Dick's crossed his luck and spoiled his Bible, and that's about all." "'It'll do to kiss the book on still, won't it?' growled Dick, who was evidently uneasy at the curse he had brought upon himself. "'A Bible with a bit cut out,' returned Silver derisively. "'Not it. It don't boind more than a ballad-book." "'Don't it, though?' cried Dick, with a sort of joy. "'Well, I reckon that's worth having too.' "'Here, Jim, here's a curiosity for you,' said Silver, and he tossed me the paper. It was a round about the size of a crown piece. One side was blank, for it had been the last leaf. The other contained a verse or two of revelation these words among the rest, which struck sharply home upon my mind. Without are dogs and murderers. The printed side had been blackened with wood-ash, which already began to come off and soil my fingers. On the blank side had been written with the same material the one word, deposed. I have that curiosity beside me at this moment, but not a trace of writing now remains beyond a single scratch, such as a man might make with his thumbnail. That was the end of the night's business. Soon after, with a drink all round, we lay down to sleep, and the outside of Silver's vengeance was to put George Merry up for Sentinel, and threaten him with death if he should prove unfaithful. It was long ere I could close an eye, and heaven knows i had matter enough for thought in the man whom i had slain that afternoon in my own most perilous position and above all in the remarkable game that i saw silver now engaged upon keeping the mutineers together with one hand and grasping with the other after every means possible and impossible to make his peace and save his miserable life he himself slept peacefully and snored aloud Yet my heart was sore for him, wicked as he was, To think on the dark perils that environed, And the shameful gibbet that awaited him. End of chapter 29 Chapter 30 On Parole I was wakened, indeed we were all wakened, For I could see even the sentinel shake himself together From where he had fallen against the doorpost by a clear, hearty voice hailing us from the margin of the wood. "'Blockhouse, ahoy!' it cried. "'Here's the doctor!' and the doctor it was. Although I was glad to hear the sound, yet my gladness was not without admixture. I remembered with confusion my insubordinate and stealthy conduct, and when I saw where it had brought me, among what companions, and surrounded by what dangers, I would felt ashamed to look him in the face. He must have risen in the dark, for the day had hardly come, and when I ran to a loophole and looked out, I saw him standing, like Silver once before, up to the mid-leg in creeping vapour. "'You, doctor, top of the mornin' to you, sir,' cried Silver, broad awake and beaming with good-nature in a moment bright and early, to be sure, and it's the early bird as the saying goes against the rations. George, shake up your timbers, son, and help Dr. Livesy over the ship's side. All a-doing well, your patience was, all well and merry.' So he pattered on, standing on the hilltop, with his crutch under his elbow, and one hand upon the side of the log-house, quite the old John in voice, manner, and expression. "'We've quite a surprise for you too, sir,' he continued. "'We've got a little stranger here, he-he, a new boarder and lodger, sir, and looking fit and taunt as a fiddle. Slept like a supercargo, we did, right alongside of John. Stem to stem we was all night.' Dr. Livesey was by this time across the stockade, and pretty near the cook, and I could hear the alternation in his voice as he said— "'Not Jim—the very same Jim as ever was,' said Silver. The doctor stopped outright, although he did not speak, and it was some seconds before he seemed able to move on. "'Well, well,' he said at last, "'duty first and pleasure afterwards, as you might have said yourself, Silver. Let us overhaul these patients of yours.' A moment afterwards he had entered the blockhouse, and, with one grim nod to me, proceeded with his work among the sick. He seemed under no apprehension, though he must have known that his life among these treacherous demons depended on a hair, and he rattled on to his patients as if he were paying an ordinary professional visit in a quiet English family. His manner, I suppose, reacted on the men, for they behaved to him as if nothing had occurred— as if he were still ship's doctor, and they still faithful hands before the mast. "'You're doing well, my friend,' he said to the fellow with the bandaged head. "'And if ever a person had a close shave, it was you. Your head must be as hard as iron. Well, George, how goes it? You're a pretty colour, certainly, Why, your liver-man is upside down. Did you take that medicine? Did he take that medicine, men?' Ay, ay, sir, he took it sure enough,' returned Morgan. "'Because, you see, since I am a mutineer's doctor, or prison doctor, as I prefer to call it,' says Dr. Livesey, in his pleasantest way, "'I make it a point of honour not to lose a man for King George, God bless him, and the gallows.' The rogues looked at each other, but swallowed the home thrust in silence. "'Dick don't feel well, sir,' said one don't he replied the doctor well step up here dick and let me see your tongue no i should be surprised if he didn't the man's tongue is fit to frighten the french another fever oh there said morgan that comed of spilling bibles that comed as you call it for being arrant asses retorted the doctor and not having sense enough to know honest air from prison and the dry land from a vile pestiferous slough. I think it most probable—though, of course, it's only an opinion—that you'll all have the deuce to pay before you get that malaria out of your systems. Camp in a bog, would you? Silver, I'm surprised at you. You're less of a fool than many, take you all round.' "'But you don't appear to me to have the rudiments of a notion of the rules of health.' "'Well,' he added, after he had dosed them round, and they had taken his prescriptions with real laughable humility, more like charity school-children than blood-guilty mutineers and pirates, "'well, that's done for to-day, and now I should wish to have a talk with that boy, please.' And he nodded his head in my direction carelessly. George Merry was at the door, spitting and spluttering over some bad-tasting medicine, but at the first word of the doctor's proposal he swung round with a deep flush and cried, "'No!' and swore. Silver struck the barrel with his open hand. "'Silence!' he roared, and looked about him positively like a lion. "'Doctor!' he went on in his usual tones. "'I was thinking of that, knowing as how you had a fancy for the boy. "'We're all humbly grateful for your kindness, "'and as you see puts faith in you, "'and takes the drugs down like that much grog. "'And I take it I found a way as'll suit all. Orchids, will you give me your word of honour as a young gentleman? "'For a young gentleman you are, though poor born. "'Your word of honour not to slip your cable.' I readily gave the pledge required. "'Then, doctor,' said Silver, "'you just step outside of that stockade, "'and once you're there I'll bring the boy down on the inside, "'and I reckon you can yarn through the spars. "'Good day to you, sir, and all our duties to the squire, and come, Smollett!' The explosion of disapproval, which nothing but Silver's black looks had restrained, "'broke out immediately the doctor had left the house.' Silver was roundly accused of playing double, of trying to make a separate piece for himself, of sacrificing the interests of his accomplices and victims, and, in one word, of the identical exact thing that he was doing. It seemed to me so obvious in this case that I should not imagine how he was to turn their anger, but he was twice the man the rest were— and his last night's victory had given him a huge preponderance in their minds. He called them all the fools and dolts you can imagine, said it was necessary I should talk to the doctor, Flattered the chart in their faces, asked them if they could afford to break the treaty the very day they were bound to treasure-hunting. "'No, boy, thunder!' he cried. "'It's us must break the treaty when the time comes, "'until then I'll gammon that doctor if I have to oil his boots with brandy.' And then he bade them all get the fire lit, and stalked out upon his crutch, with his hand on my shoulder, leaving them in disarray, and silenced by his volubility rather than convinced. "'Slow, lad, slow,' he said. They might round upon us in a twinkle of an eye, if we were seen to hurry. Very deliberately, then, did we advance across the sand to where the doctor awaited us, on the other side of the stockade, and soon as we were within easy speaking distance, Silver stopped. "'You'll make a note of this ere also, doctor,' said he, "'and the boy'll tell you how I saved his life, and we're deposed for it too, you may lay to that.' "'Doctor, when a man's steering as near to the wind as me, "'playing Chuck Farthing with the last breath in his body like, "'you wouldn't think it too much, me to give him one good word. "'You please bear in mind it's not my life only now, "'it's that boy's into the bargain, "'and you'll speak me fair, doctor, "'and give me a bit of hope to go on, for the sake of mercy.' Silver was a changed man, once he was out there and had his back to his friends and the blockhouse. His cheeks seemed to have fallen in, his voice trembled, never was a soul more dead in earnest. "'Why, John, you're not afraid?' asked Dr. Livesey. "'Doctor, I'm no coward, no, not I, not so much.' And he snapped his fingers. "'If I was, I wouldn't say it. "'But I'll own up fairly, I've had the shakes upon me for the gallows. "'You're a good man and a true, never seen a better man. "'And you'll not forget what i done good, "'not any more you'll forget the bad, I know. "'And i step aside, see here, and leave you and Jim alone. "'And you'll put that down for me too, for it's a long stretch, it is.' So saying, he stepped back a little way, till he was out of earshot and there sat down upon a tree-stump and began to whistle, spinning round now and again upon his seat, so as to command a sight, sometimes of me and the doctor, and sometimes of his unruly ruffians, as they went to and fro in the sand, between the fire, which they were busy rekindling, and the house, from which they brought forth pork and bread to make the breakfast. "'So, Jim,' said the doctor sadly, "'here you are.' As you have brewed, so shall you drink, my boy. Heaven knows I cannot find it in my heart to blame you. But this much I will say, be it kind or unkind. When Captain Smollett was well, you dared not have gone off, and when he was ill and couldn't help it by George, it was downright cowardly. I will own that I here began to weep. Doctor, I said, you might spare me. I have blamed myself enough. My life's forfeit anyway, and I should have been dead now if silver hadn't stood for me. And, doctor, believe this, I can die, and I dare say I deserve it. For what I fear is torture. If they come to torture me—' "'Jim!' the doctor interrupted, and his voice was quite changed. "'Jim, I, I can't have this. Whip over, and we'll run for it.' "'Doctor,' said I, "'I passed my word.' "'I know, I know!' he cried. "'We can't help that, Jim, now. I'll take it on my shoulders. Holus bolus, blame and shame, my boy. But stay here, I cannot let you. Jump! One jump and you're out, and we'll run for it like antelopes.' "'No,' I replied. "'You know right well you wouldn't do the same thing yourself. Neither you, nor squire, nor captain, nor more will I. Silver trusted me. I passed my word, and back I go. But, Doctor, you did not let me finish. If they come to torture me, I might let slip a word of where the ship is. For I got the ship, part by luck and part by risking, and she lies in the north inlet, on the southern beach, and just below high water. At half-tide she must be high and dry." "'The ship!' exclaimed the Doctor. Rapidly I described to him my adventures, and he heard me out in silence. "'There's a kind of fate in this,' he observed, when I had done. "'Every step it's you that save our lives. And do you suppose by any chance that we are going to let you lose yours? That would be a poor return, my boy. You found out the plot. You found Ben Gunn—the best deed that you ever did, or will do, though you live to ninety. Oh, by Jupiter! And talking of Ben Gunn! Why, this is the mischief in person. Silver!' he cried. "'Silver, I'll give you a piece of advice,' he continued as the cook drew nearer again, "'don't you be in any great hurry after that treasure.' "'Why, sir, I do my possible, which that ain't,' said Silver. "'I can only, asking your pardon, save my life and the boys by seeking for that treasure, and you may lay to that.' "'Well, Silver,' replied the doctor, "'if that is so, I'll go one step farther.' "'Look out for squalls when you find it.' "'Sir,' said Silver, "'as between man and man, that's too much and too little. "'What you're after, why you left the blockhouse, "'why you've given me that there chart, I don't know now, do I? "'And yet I done your bidden with my eyes shut, and never a word of hope. "'But no, this here is too much.' "'If you won't tell me what you mean, plain out, just say so, and I'll leave the helm.' "'No,' said the doctor, musingly. "'I've no right to say more. It's not my secret, you see, Silver, or I give you my word, I'd tell it you. But I'll go as far with you as I dare go, and not a step beyond. For I'll have my wig sorted by the captain, or I'm mistaken. And first, I'll give you a bit of hope, Silver.' If we both get out alive out of this wolf-track, I'll do my best to save you, short of perjury.' Silver's face was radiant. "'You couldn't say more. I'm sure, sir, not if you was my mother,' he cried. "'Well, that's my first concession,' added the doctor. "'My second is a piece of advice. Keep the boy close beside you, and when you need help—helloo!' I am off to seek it for you, and that itself will show you if I speak at random. Good-bye, Jim. And Dr. Livesey shook hands with me through the stockade, nodded to Silver, and set off at a brisk pace into the wood. End of Chapter 30